This podcast is on chi and metis. One way to study what we might call at NDU so-called unorthodox or indirect and narrative-driven warfare is to introduce ourselves to the vast scholarship on the Chinese concept of qi and the vast scholarship on the many Greek concepts of metis, a phenomenon that was discussed in Lesson 17 in our Lawrence Friedman reading. And related to qi and metis, we have the U.S. and British English word or definition for influence. These three concepts, that is qi, metis, and influence, are not synonyms, but they offer some overlap, some insight into one another in the fields of warfighting and national security. So let's start with the concept of influence as a prelude into the concepts of qi and metis. So the definition I use that influence is producing a desired outcome without apparent materialization of hard power by indirect or seemingly intangible methods. Without force, without formal authority, unseen or insensible, perceptible only in its effects. Now I'd like to compare this indirect idea of influence with the more very direct ideas of persuasion, compliance, and conversion, which I will argue are very different. With persuasion, there's a known agency and a direct approach using sound methodology, sound use of evidence, and logic. Compliance, trying to get people to change behavior without necessarily changing belief, is oftentimes short-lived and demands a threat of violence. Getting people to act through the, through the threat of lethal force. And then we have conversion, trying to get people to change their beliefs, which often requires total control of an environment, total societal re-education, and has to be overseen enduringly. One of the examples of attempted conversion is Ataturk Kemal following the First World War, the First World War when Turkey became a state from the former Ottoman Empire. They changed their alphabet, they created European-like secular civil institutions, they touted nationalism, and built citizenship schools and workshops around the country to educate the entire population towards more quote-unquote Western standards of a nation-state, views that are still used in some school textbooks and social studies to this day in Turkey. But after well over a century later, this vast attempt at conversion is still contention. Turkish politicians, religious leaders, and citizens argue and sometimes fight over whether Turkey should be more secular or religious, whether Turkey identity is more European or should face more towards the Middle East and Asia. So back to the term influence, that is specifically producing a desired outcome without apparent materialization of hard power by indirect or seemingly intangible methods. So compare this to the early Chinese perception or, or concept of qi. Qi, as I said earlier, it very much talks to the indirect, the discrete, and the unconventional. But if we look to early Chinese, we see that there are undertones of the mysterious, of something beyond ordinary comprehension, the uncanny and the occult, especially in reference to ethereal events and ghostly 
phenomenon, which again, we know today, great statecraft, you can have it or conduct an influence campaign. But it's difficult to know influence is happening. When influence is done well, you will not know you're being influenced. When influence is done well, you will not know who the influencer is. When influencer is done very well, you will, or the people, the targets, will become the amplifiers or the agents of the influence campaign itself unwittingly. And when influence is done extremely well, even historians in the future will not be able to recognize a cogent and purposeful influence campaign. So let's compare influence and she to the ancient Greek idea of metis. It often refers to influence in the indirect and psychological aspects of power and warfare. Specifically, it refers to wisdom, cunning, prudence, and skill, as opposed to brute force. Personified originally in mythology uh, as a titan whose children would be wiser than Zeus. So according to Lawrence Friedman, one of the greatest dichotomies of strategic thought is this distinction between strength and metis, or strength and chi. And he talks about the difference between one seeking, and I quote here, seeking victory in the physical domain and the other in the mental. The idea is that chi and medicine influence are more in the mental domains, not just in the physical domain. One relying on being strong and the other on being smart. One depending on courage and the other imagination. One facing the enemy directly and the other approaching indirectly. One prepared to fall with honor and the other seeking to survive through deception. Then Angela Kudbilla and Saul Seasbury go on to suggest that Sun Tzu proposed that the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. And this very oftentimes, those in the fields of influence, medicine, or chi, they often look to Sun Tzu for wisdom, especially with regards to indirect fighting or to winning a war before the inception of the idea. According to Angelo Codville, and I go on, quoting, this advice seems to clash with Clausewitz's description of war as an act of violence pushed to its utmost boundaries. Angelo Codville suggests the two concepts are not, however, contradictory. Clausewitz refers to fighting, but fighting is a tool of war, not war itself, compatible with Sun Tzu's vision of war. According to Codevilla, what is important is to select the means which is the most suitable under given conditions. And I would go one step further. And I might argue for us to consider, debate, and discuss that the two, that is the direct and the indirect approaches to warfare, are not contradictory at all, are not opposing, but are also not exclusive. I would challenge us to think of combining, when appropriate, the direct and the indirect, the unorthodox and the orthodox, lethal power and elements of national power other than traditional dime, or as it's traditionally taught. 